I used to see my resume as a fault. I was almost ashamed and embarrassed about my resume because not the typical Norwegian journey. A lot of people come to Bali maybe to explore or for self-healing and all of that. For me, it was just business. Art in many forms is a very universal language. Make sure that first and foremost, you are comfortable in the place that you are and dare to be yourself. This is one of my superpowers. Hey there, real quick, if you enjoyed the show, please support by following on your favorite podcast station, review and share it with your peers to help them and me out, because I don't run any ads and every share helps. Thanks and let's jump into it. Good morning, Listen. Good morning, Gabe. Thank you for having me here. It's a pleasure to have you. Thank you so much for joining me. And uh, I won't ask you where you're recording from us. I usually do because I know that you are quite close here in Sanur Bali. Yes. And uh, for those listening, I had a chance to talk a bit with Listen and she shares stories about her life and professional journey, which can't wait to share with you. But I will let her introduce herself to you. Thank you. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be here. And uh, a little bit about me. My full name is, if I'm going to pronounce it in my native tongue, it's Lisen uh, Itze Kristiansen, <laughs> but Lisen. I'm from Norway, 40 years old, and moved to Bali about four years ago. Very determined, came here to build up my company and the projects that I'm working on. So I knew that this was a place where I would feel inspired and where there was other, you know, entrepreneurial minds and people that understood stood the journey that I was embarking on. And I knew that was an environment that I needed to be surrounded by in order to achieve what I wanted to achieve. So a lot of people, they come to Bali maybe to explore or for self-healing and all of that. For me, it was just like, no, business. <laughs> and I'm very happy now that the company is established here as a PT in Indonesia, the Samati Group. And I'm sure we're going to talk more into about that later on. So I'm not going to go into all the details of what the company is about this stage. But my background before I came to Bali, quite a diverse resume. And before I came to Bali, I used to see my resume as, as a fault. Like I was almost ashamed and embarrassed about my resume because not the typical Norwegian journey where, you know, you go to university, you get a good job and you oftentimes stay in that job for a long time and you kind of keep your path. For me, it's been a winding road for sure. And it wasn't until I came here that I also saw that Actually, this is one of my superpowers to have such a diverse background and be a generalist versus a specialist. So I studied art and design at Emily Carr University in Vancouver in Canada. I was majoring in cultural studies and critical thinking. So oftentimes when I tell people I went to art school, they think that, you know, it's art, you paint and design. But we studied, you know, the great philosophers such as Karl Marx and Nietzsche and others and English literature and so on, and how we can use art as forms of expression as to the culture that we're in at any given moment. And also how we use art as forms of healing and self-expression. And also how art can unite us in different ways without actually even understanding each other's languages. So 
art in many forms is a very universal language. So I just studied art and design and really thought that was the journey I was on. You know, I thought that I was going to make Vancouver my home and I was working freelance as a designer. I was a personal shopper for rock bands and did any kind of creative work that could pay my rent. And then when I was 27, I get a phone call that my mom in Norway have terminal cancer. So at the age of 53. And that really changed everything upside down. And I went back to Norway to be a caretaker for her. I have two siblings, a younger brother who's 10 years younger and was only 17 and still in high school. My sister living in Oslo, married and having a full-time job and me being the only one as a freelancer as I was able to let go of what I was doing and and commit myself full-time to be with the family. So I went back and I stayed in Norway for two years. We had a beautiful year with my mom before she passed away. And I stayed another year with my dad and my brother until he finished high school. And then I always knew that this is not the place where I'm supposed to be. But I still didn't know where that was going to be. I promised my dad and my sister that I'll remain in Europe, stay close to the family. I'm not going to go all the way back to Vancouver. And I moved to the south of France, got a job in property management and stayed there for two years. Was in charge of building up the company's client list of Scandinavian house owners and villa owners on the coast and French Riviera. And I also was graphic designer and art director for an in-house magazine that they developed over those two years. And then after two years, I was 30 years old and I had developed high blood pressure. According to my doctor, the blood pressure of a 60-year-old man who had been eating unhealthy and smoking his entire life. And I knew that I had to make a change. I was on the outside looking very healthy. But on the inside, I was not. So I went back to Norway, slept on my dad's couch for about a week and trying to figure out the next step of my life and walked into headhunter's office and dropped off my resume by the force of my sister in Norway. And the day after they called me and told me that we might have a job for you, but we can't explain to you what the job is. It's for a waste management company. And... uh, It seems like the job, you have the possibility to shape the job according to your capabilities. It's quite a diverse job, and we just highly recommend you to just go and talk to them. I was very reluctant at first. I didn't want to move back to Norway. I thought that this was going to be like just a eight to four kind of normal office job. But I go to the interview, and they offer me the job. And I ended up being the project manager to build a scrap metal shredder facility in Norway, one of the biggest scrap metal shredder facilities in Scandinavia. Project was completed on time and within budget. And after that, they brought me into the main facility in Oslo. And I remained there for this waste management company for about six years, quite a diverse role. I was in many ways a fixer. In the company, I reported directly to the senior management, was part of the senior management group as the only woman at the time. And I think the first year, everybody just referred to me as the artist because everybody knew that this woman does not have the background from this industry at all. 
but it was a really steep and interesting learning curve that I had in the time that I was there. I was very determined to succeed in everything that I did and put my hands on. I was the HR quality and project manager for the biggest region of the company. And we had about 200 employees under us, 150 hired and contractors and four daughter companies. So a lot of responsibility. I was working about 16 hours days sometimes, sometimes even up to seven days a week. And I loved the job. I absolutely loved it. It was my life for those years. And then I felt like I was getting a bit stagnant. Like if you worked on many projects, eventually those projects, even as different as they might be, it's still a project. And, you know, it's, it doesn't, it didn't feel like it was challenging me at the end. And I always knew that I meant to be somewhere else. Like I always, I've always felt this. I've always had this since I was a teenager that I meant to be somewhere else in the world. And I had a health scare as well. I found out that I had thyroid cancer and that was kind of the last kind of drop for me where it's like, okay, I have to make a choice. Do I stay with the company? If I do, after a conversation with my boss, he said, if you stay, you need to commit at least in another two years. Like I need to know that we can depend on you being here. And if not, you know, you go. And then I said, okay, well then I'm going to go. Everybody thought I was crazy. I was giving up a career, an amazing salary and all the benefits. But I thought, this is it. Either I do this now and I've already proven what I'm capable of. So, you know, I can always go back and apply for a job if I need to. But I want to go my own path and start my own company. And uh, while I was in resignation period, it was also my recovery period after my surgery, after removing my thyroid from the thyroid cancer. And, uh, and this is when I started developing the somatic concept. And, and six months later, I moved to Bali and here I am. So that was kind of the long, <laughs> trying to make the story as short as possible. But, you know, that's the summary of my journey up until this point. And it's quite a journey. And thank you so much for sharing that with us. You come from such a diverse background in terms of experience, in terms of health care and being taken care of your mom for two years and so on. And all those experience coming together and basically leading you to this path of building a company in a foreign country, in which I know from my friends how difficult it is from a bureaucracy point of view and so on to, to build something here. And I want to ask you why you decide on Bali to do this. Why not other place? Mm. Since the first time I came to Bali, I was fortunate when I was working for the waste management company and with the salary I had to be able to travel whenever I had time off. And I would go on these long trips by myself for four weeks at a time. And when I first came, you know, as many people that come here, it's like I didn't really have a plan. I had booked an Airbnb for two nights and then I was like, I'll figure out the rest when I get there because I knew nothing about the island or Indonesia. But I remember that first week, I actually, I went into yoga studio and 
in at the end of the class in Savasana, I had just tears rolling down my eyes. Like I just had this like really epiphany moment that I'm gonna take my certification and become a yoga teacher myself. And shortly after I sat on the beach somewhere between Chengdu and Seminyak. And I sat there, I think, for a good three hours doing nothing, just watching the ocean and being within myself and the environment that I was in. It was one of those pockets where there wasn't a lot of people, or maybe it was the time of the year, but I had pretty much the beach to myself. And I just felt in that moment that it's like, I don't know how, I don't know when, but I just can feel that I'm going to come back here and I'm going to move here. And I visited Bali a few times after that as well, between 17 and 2019, before I actually moved here. The year that I moved here, I was already visiting Bali January, June, and in September, before I moved here in November. (laughs) So within one year, I had already been here four times. But I always felt a connection to the island. I made, since the first time I came, I made some local friends as well. And it really just felt like home to me. I really resonated with the culture, with the spiritual way of life. It just like all of a sudden it just made sense. And I didn't have to like explain as much of like who I was. You know, like if I say, I I always would say to my friends, it's like, oh, I just got chills. Like I could feel some kind of energy (laughs) and they would kind of laugh at me. But it's, it's true. Like, you know, like when you really feel deeply and you can really feel that I can't explain this it's just a knowing it's like a deeper knowing that makes your hair stand and it's it comes from like a deeper place within you and and also trusting and allowing like that that deeper knowing to guide you onto your path that was something that if I would have had that kind of conversation with somebody back home I felt like you know, they would look at me as being like all woohoo and, and like, not fully understand what I was talking about. So so yeah, I really felt like it was a homecoming in many ways for me to come to Bali. Because I hear I could totally just be myself. And I knew that this was an environment that I needed to be in, in order to embark on the journey that I was about to take. As as entrepreneurs, it's important to recognize what it is that you need in any kind of given moment. For me, you know, it checked a lot of boxes in terms of just the climate, in terms of, yeah, in terms of the climate, in terms of living and living healthily. Like that was definitely a, you know, a key point that it's like, I know that here I can do my yoga practice, my meditation practices. I can eat healthy at a low cost. It's very catered to like that healthy lifestyle. So, so yeah, that was why I chose Bali. And, and also for what I wanted to build, somehow I knew that this would be the right place for it. Just knowing like where Indonesia is in the global market, like kind of foreseeing it a little bit into the future because four years ago, before COVID, everybody was talking about Indonesia still as kind of like a third world country. But in fact, like Indonesia is the fourth fastest growing economy in the world. 
And uh, yeah, so there was multiple factors of why I chose Bali, but it was very strategically chosen for my personal self, but also for what I wanted to do within the business. Bali is amazing. And uh, I definitely can resonate with a lot of things that you just shared. I remember my first trip to Bali in which I was sitting in a taxi and I was looking around. I was like, what is this place? It's simply you feel that energy. And even that I'm not a spiritual person per se, but I still feel that energy. And every time I come back, now being the third time, I feel like you mentioned like coming back home. It's second home for me. And when it comes to building something here and looking in the future as you do, I think it's the perfect place to do that since not only it's a growing economy, but in the same time to build something new in a place that is developing, it's sometimes much more easier than going into a crowded market and start to build things to fight so many roadblocks or competitors and so on. Uh, speaking of building, can you share with us what Sumati Group all about? So the company started with the Sumati concept and the Sumati concept is, well, that's what it is. It's a concept, it's a philosophy, it's principles and guidelines on, on how to lead a more sustainable life and to, to both within yourself, within the communities, with the environment, with the global, with the universe in general. And it's built upon different ancient philosophies and wisdom that I've researched over the years, combined with modern business thinking and strategies. And it also builds upon social arts and the philosophy of praxis. The philosophy of praxis is the joining between theory and making. And sumati is a feminine Sanskrit word. It's two words put together, su and mati. And su means good and mati means mind thought. And the way that I describe it within the philosophy and within Samadhi concept is that Su is the wisdom of the heart and Mati is the wisdom of the mind. The creativity, that unknown source that, you know, we were talking about and Mati, the mind thought and, and the wisdom of that is the theories. And we need the joining between the two for any kind of change, for any kind of innovation to happen. And it goes back to what I was talking about as well in, in terms of like how art is this universal language. We're seeing more and more that the change that we want to do and many industries are now recognizing as well the need for creative development and also more, let's say, like the strategic business oriented and academic pursuits. And, you know, even Stanford University has developed their own entire creative department recognizing that when they enhance students' creative thinking, it also aids them in their academic pursuits. And businesses, we need the arts, we need the creative, and we need the healing as well. So it's very like an interdisciplinary way of thinking. Sumati is not inventing the wheel. It's, it's just shifting the perspectives and perceptions of how we're doing things. So doing things in new ways, but based on the ancient wisdom, you know, like the wisdom of Bali, of the philosophy of Trihatakara, which is the connection to people, people to nature and the environment, and people to the gods and the universe. And if I was to go back to Norway and, you know, talk about this or just mention even to the universe, 
they might think that, oh, that has nothing to do with me and it's a different kind of culture and so on. But if you look at this ancient wisdom and even like in the modern business strategies, we're all talking about the same thing. It's just using different kind of terminology. So that is what I'm explaining as well in very simple ways within the Samadhi concept. I've used Leonardo da Vinci's The Vitruvian Man as like kind of the example of how it's all laid out because The Vitruvian Man of Leonardo da Vinci, for those who might not be familiar with it, I'm sure they have at least seen it. It's the man, the human body, reaching his arms, you know, to the left and right. And he stands inside a circle, inside a square. And Leonardo da Vinci said about that piece that everything connects to everything. And, you know, he's a perfect example because he was both a scientist and he was an artist. And if you use the same kind of model of looking at both the four pillars of social responsibility, how you look at the five principles of design thinking, you can use the same drawing and the same model to explain all of these principles and applications. And you can even use the applications of design thinking and apply them to yourself instead of like looking at it from the principles of developing a product. For those who are not recognized or familiar with it, the five principles of design thinking is the first stage is immersion. That's when you do your research of a product, your market research, but you can also then do that and apply to yourself and do research on yourself. And then from that, you analyze the data that you collected. From the data that you collected, you start to synthesize those ideas and goes into your ideation stage. This is when you start drafting it out and, you know, laying the new plan. And then from there, you start designing. So if this was to say like, okay, you start then designing your new life, what it is that I need. Let's take like the entrepreneurial journey, for example. You recognize and you start with the immersion process of where you are, where you've been, you know, start to collecting all the data of your pattern or patterns. And then you start analyzing that information and maybe tracing yourself back where I've been, where I want to go, how am I feeling when I'm in this environment and so on. And then you start laying out your new plans. You go into your ideation stage, developing your new life, developing your business, and you really start to design it. And once you've designed it and you feel ready, you implement it. And that's the fifth stage in design thinking. And then in the implementation stage, you're testing it out and you start adapting. And this is like an ever-evolving circle as well. So if I go back to the retrieval man, the circle that's surrounding the man, it's ever-evolving. It's like the wheel of life. You always go back then to the emergent stage. So even like, let's take myself, for example, I was definitely in an immersion and analyzing and an ideation stage for a really long time when I was in Norway. And you asked me why I moved to Bali. Well, in my ideation stage, and I started designing everything out for the somatic concept, for the company, for my life, for myself. In that design stage, I designed my perfect environment, like where I want to be, 
where I would thrive, where I can see myself thrive. And I implemented that by taking action. I moved. I mean, you don't have to move across the continent, across the world to do that. But you recognize what is the environment that I need so that I can grow and thrive. And, you know, and then coming into Bali, I, in my implementation stage, I've gone many circles around going back to the emergent stage, back to the analysis stage, back to the ideation stage. It's like this continuous ever flow, but you're constantly evolving and growing in that process because you're always like, you're always moving, even if it's like, okay, I am returning and going back into the circle now, but you're not in the same place that you were maybe a year ago. So, so that is the principles behind and the kind of thinking behind Samati concept and the teachings behind it. Then Samati Group is the company and Samati Group is the governance, kind of the holding company, the governance and the administration behind all the projects and subdivisions that are developed based on the Samati concept. So under there, we have Praxis Venture Studios. There's Wonder Invention Studios, which is like the health and well-being side of things. Smart Medina, our contemporary art gallery. We have an incubator. You have Smarty Academy. You have research and development. And also we're building out um, Smart Medina, which is a huge facility where you can live, work, create, research, and showcase every single step and kind of assisting and, and helping every single step of that entrepreneurial journey. And also for, you know, developing the innovation and technology and the research that is needed to create the change that we want to see in the world. So that is what we're doing. <laughs> Thank you so much for explaining on that. And it's not only beautiful what you're building, but in the same time, applying the um, principle of design thinking to it, it's, I think, one of the most underrated concepts out there. And a lot of people associate it strictly with design, not with all the aspects of life. And uh, giving this us how we actually can apply design thinking to anything in life and designing our own life, designing a business, creating a business, creating a product and so on. It's one of those epiphany moments that I had in this show in which someone comes with a concept that it's misunderstood probably even misused. And I'd like to challenge you on something by applying this design thinking concept in a way as actionable as possible. Let's say that some of those listening are not entrepreneurs like you. They're freelancers and trying to build a sustainable one-person business. How will you apply the design thinking concept in order for them to not trade time for money on freelancing platforms and such? but to actually build something sustainable and something that are able to allow them to be fulfilled, to live a life of freedom and not chasing every single paying client? Uh, that's a good challenge. Well, I would say, you know, draw it out. I'm very visual and most of us actually are. We're visual learners, a majority of the population in the world. So draw it out, have a piece of a blank paper and a pen and you draw a circle and in that circle draw a stick figure 
you know, that's yourself and your hands reaching out so that you're touching all the corners with your feet and your hands and your head in that inside that circle. If you're drawing also then two lines horizontally and vertically so that in the center of that circle is your heart and you have four corners in the circle. At the top, you write number one, immersion. Then you go down to the right and number two, you write analysis. You go down to the bottom at the third, at the feet, and you write ideation. Then you go up to the left in the circle and you write number four, design. And then at the heart, in the center, you write the fifth, implementation. That's the five principles of design thinking right there. Now, as a freelancer, as an individual, how do you apply this to yourself, to your business? I oftentimes use like the tree or nature as examples of many things. We can learn so much from nature. And... If you then have this drawing in front of you, at the bottom of this, at your feet, that's your what grounds you, that's your roots, that's your foundation, what keeps you balanced. You know, if you follow the line from the feet through your heart after the crown of your head in the immersion, this is where your balance is. Now, just like any tree or plant and seed that is being planted, we as people also need the right conditions to grow and thrive. You need to be able to sustain the storms, you know, that tree that is wavering in the wind. You are that tree. Now, is the soil and the conditions suitable for you? Meaning like where you are in this given moment, the place that you live, is that the right environment for you? This is where you're, you know, you're in your immersion stage. You're going way beyond your physical self and seeing how everything is connected to everything in that immersion stage. How are you feeling? How are you feeling with the people around you? How is the conversations affecting yourself? How in the environment that you're in, we're always like mirrors to each other, right? So if you really look into how your environment is affecting you, that also becomes the extension of, of how you are living out to the world. Like what is it that you're giving out to the world and your reactions to the world and to the environment? And usually it's like it's a boomerang effect, right? It's like we, we give and receive all the time. And oftentimes we're not so aware of the fact that, you know, oh, I got really mad in this situation or I reacted a certain way and then somebody else react negatively back to you and it's not helping you. It's not helping you grow. But we also have to take the responsibility of ourselves and our reaction to things. So what is it that I can change? Because there's only really two things that we are in complete control over in our life. It's our reaction and it's our attitude. You have the capability to change that. So this is what you can also really look at in that immersion stage. 
then you go in and you start to analyze it and you know you write it down what is it that is coming up for you out of the information that you received looking at your work situation looking at your family situation your friends place that you live what is it that you're doing for your health your financials all of these things that you write down in the immersion stage you just download everything and once you downloaded everything you go in and you analyze it when you analyze it you go and you start looking into the ideation what is it that is working for you and what is it that is not what is it that you can then change based on the information that you have written down compile all of that data and it's all connected you know it's like if you're struggling financially or you're you don't have maybe a good situation with your family or you know whatever it is you're not feeling that you're in the right place oftentimes these things are connected so you start to draw it out like what would your ideal situation look like your ideal environment we're down in the at the bottom of the feed in the ideation stage at this point right so you really start to draw out what are your values for yourself personally because your values is also what's going to help you in your pursuit in the work that you're doing because when you are aligned with your values and you apply that into the work that you're doing as well then everything is going to feel better for yourself you're not going on accord on on you know what's important to you when you then have written this out as well Okay then start to design it more out. It's like same way as like you're designing a product or designing the business plan. How is it also like this plan looking like for yourself in that process? If we were to look at business and within a business we often write our the values, our mission statement and the vision. Well, you have to do that for yourself as well. And I'm constantly going back to the stick figure inside the circle because as i mentioned like the ideation is your values that's the root that's what going to keep you grounded and it's also like that is what really is going to help you whenever a challenge arises if we are that tree and there's storms and there's drought and there's other things coming your way that you cannot control but you can control how strong you are so that you're able to survive it because in any kind of entrepreneurial journey we all know that there are going to come struggles being an entrepreneur is hard you know i'm like people think oftentimes like oh i'm going to have this freedom and i you know i'm going to live this beautiful life i can do whatever i want but it's really hard work it's way more challenging than what a lot of people expected to be because there is also so many things that you learn about yourself in the process and that you're forced to see about yourself and feel and you know it's hard financially as well in the beginning it takes a long time for a lot of people to get to that place where they feel stable so that is why like the ideation the values down at that that you know bottom of that circle at the core of your feet you have to make sure that you're stable and at the crown of your head that is your grand vision who is it that you want to be in this world 
Because when you connect your vision and at the crown of the head and your values at the bottom of the feet, that is the essence between that is your heart. And then you go into the design and then you can start taking action. You start implementing step by step. So maybe it's not to move to, you know, tropical island like Bali. You can also apply this to wherever you are in the world. And it doesn't have to be like that big of a major shift either. It can be like small things that you do in just the daily actions that you take from the moment that you wake up in the morning until you go to bed. But you have to have like that kind of awareness and have to have like, you know, a connection to yourself in the process. And that is what those five elements with a very visual kind of plan can help you do. So I would challenge those who are listening to draw this out and write it out and use it as a blueprint for the journey that they're on for themselves and for their business. Thank you so much, Lisa, for sharing that. And I will definitely do that myself as well, join this challenge and apply it. Because that's one thing. We often end up in a place where we learn something new. We start working on it, but leave it there and it's getting dust and we don't apply it to our own life or business. And that's an important part. And I love the fact that you mentioned that you don't have to move to a tropical island like Bali or half way across the globe to to make changes in your life. And an example that you love to to give is the one that when it comes to environment is not just the physical environment that we live in. It's also the people we surround ourselves with, which can have a huge impact in our lives, in our way of thinking and so on. And personally, at least, is one of the biggest change I made in my life being selective on the people that I want to spend my time with. Because we, no matter how strong our roots are and such, we can get pretty easily influenced by. And since we're talking about this, I would like to ask you, who was the biggest influence for you in your entrepreneurial journey and in life in general? Mm, biggest influence? My parents. Sumati is actually, in many ways, an homage to my mom. Because the name came after I started, I wrote down her name and her name is Anne. It's a, you know, quite common name, but I translated this. I knew I wanted a Sanskrit word and in Sanskrit, oftentimes the translations are not so direct, but seeing Anne or seeing Sumati is like the way I see Sumati is like Sumati is her. Sumati is the creation of all life and how we can apply this wisdom as a community into the environment to do something good for the world. And it all starts from ourselves. When I started translating my mom's name and everybody described my mom as like a very gracious person. She was very vibrant. She would have like, you know, strongest laugh that you could hear across the room at any place. Small little lady but she had a big personality and a big smile and uh, and was very gracious to others as well at the very to the very end of her day like she was always concerned about like how others were feeling and even to the point that the day the day when we decided as a family that it's time to quit her treatment and take her home instead she had us all in the room at the hospital 
And she said that this is your decision. It's not my decision because I want you to know that when I'm gone, you have done everything that we could do. I don't want you to live with some kind of guilt to think that we could have done more and that we didn't do enough. So we make this decision as a family. It's not just me. And we all decided that we will take her home and we will make the most out of the time that we have together and make it comfortable and beautiful. And that's what we did for the last couple of months. When I translated her name and it turned out that Anne actually directly translates to grace, I was really surprised. So in all the ancient religious scriptures, Anne is known as Saint Anne. She was the mother of all. And Saint Anne was the mother of Mary. So the maternal grandmother of Jesus. And the scriptures and the stories tell that Anne was granted the divine grace by God for the salvation for mankind. And I thought that this was really beautiful. And I'm not like a really, well, didn't used to be a very religious person myself. I grew up as a Christian, but, you know, more from a traditional point, not necessarily a religious point. But it's not about like the religion in itself. It's just about like that spiritual aspect and where that strength comes from. And it comes from, again, that unknown source that is bigger than ourselves. So my mother is very much embodied into Samati in so many different ways. And when I first started on my whole entrepreneurial journey, I actually had to have the conversation with my dad many times where I said, I cannot talk to you about this. <laughs> so basically, I just said, like, you know, in that very limited our conversations for some time, because, you know, this was all I was doing. It was like, this was my life. So when I couldn't share anything with him, that was kind of hard. And it was hard to also say that, you know, I know you love me. I know you care for me and I respect your opinions, but I also feel oftentimes those who are closest to us are not the best advisors on your entrepreneurial journey because they will give advice based on the fact that, of course, they want to protect you for one. And they also give advice based on their own experiences. So that this is where you, as an entrepreneur, you have to be very careful of where you're taking your advice from and where that advice, again, comes from. Like what place did that come from within that person that is giving you the advice? And as my dad, he wanted to protect me. He just wants me to have a stable income and all the securities in life. And uh, him being an entrepreneur himself, he also knows how challenging it can be. So he didn't want that for me. So yeah, I had to at one point say to him that, you know, the things that you're saying to me right now is actually the opposite. Like it's not helping me. It's actually quite toxic for me at this point. And, and we stopped talking about it for, I think, like a good year and a half. Like I didn't tell him anything of what I was doing. For a really long time, my family thought that I was living in Bali and working as a yoga teacher. And I didn't know such thing. <laughs> I have not taught a single 
yoga class since moving to Bali. And, but now, and I said this actually just yesterday to him, as we, we speak oftentimes like four times a week, I'm very close to my dad. And I said to him that I am so grateful. And I was like with tears in my eyes. I am so grateful for the kind of support that he is to my life right now. He still doesn't understand everything I'm doing because <laughs> it's quite a lot, but he's supportive nonetheless. And he can see how important it is. And like he keeps saying, he's just like, you know, if it's one thing that you have, it's stamina, like you're not giving up. And he has a tremendous, I can feel that he has a tremendous respect for that. So yeah, my parents are definitely like my biggest supporters and inspirations. Thank you so much for sharing that, especially because it's a moment of vulnerability and at the same time, extremely inspiring and using your parents as the source of inspiration, as a source of support, it's amazing. And yeah, you gave their a really powerful advice in terms of who we should listen to. And when it comes to finding your source of uh, advice, opinions that matters to you and your business, what you'll say is the best way to go about it without being drawn to this information overload that internet offers us in this moment in time? I would say like surround yourself always with people that are better than you. I think that's the best advice. I have a lot of people around me who have achieved great things. In a time when I felt kind of alone in the process, I reached out to my boss's old boss from the waste management company. And this was a, I didn't have that much to do with him when I was working in the company. Like we knew each other, but we weren't working directly with each other. And, but I connected to him on Facebook and I actually just, I, I just sent him a message that this might come out of the blue, but I'm working on this project here in Bali and I feel very alone in the process. I feel like I need somebody around me who knows what I'm capable of and who have seen me in action and know what I can deliver and, and somebody that I trust that I know is going to be completely honest and transparent with me seeing things from a critical standpoint, somebody that when I say critical standpoint is how you have to also make the distinction between that and like critique and being critical. That's two different things. And you also have to make sure that you don't only have yes people around you. I have some other people around me as well that they say to me as well as like, I'm so sorry that, you know, I'm always asking you all these challenging questions and being critical and, or, you know, thinking, being, giving critique or being critical into what we're doing. And then I always say, it's like, no, this is exactly why I have you around me. It's because you challenge me by asking me some challenging questions, making me have to think about the process so that I can always improve and develop things better. So yeah, I think like not be afraid to ask for help. That's for one. And I have had to learn that like over and over and surround yourself again, like with those who you know have some, whether it is business development, whether it is in marketing, whether it is in investment and financials, 
if you know somebody that has built a business themselves, reach out to them and ask them, you know, just say like, hey, I'm working on this project. I'm embarking on this journey and I need advice. I need to have just like a sparring part partner, somebody I can call to once in a while and, and just talk to. And if it's somebody that has been in a similar situation themselves, they're going to completely understand. So I think that's one of the things like I've been, I've been good at reaching out to people and creating that environment around me that I know that I need of people as well. Indeed, this is something that is often overlooked because we cannot build anything worthwhile and sustainable alone. We can call ourselves solopreneurs, freelancers, or whatever, but if we don't have that small community of close by people that we surrounded ourselves with to have an advice from, talk to, share some opinions, get that feedback, get that critique thing that will help us improve, not just you're doing amazing, cheering you up and so on all the time without actually looking at the bigger picture and spotting maybe some wrong decision that you make or something that often it's you cannot see because you're seeing just from the inside of your box. You're not seeing from the perspective of others. And helping those people around you, it's huge. And not so far as the pandemic, when it was harder to maybe stay in touch or connect face-to-face -face with others. Personally, I, I noticed a decrease in a lot of aspects of my business, a lot of aspects of my life, simply but not being as connected as before with others. And yeah, we are social animals and we need that aspect in our life in various ways. Speaking of that, coming from someone that moved quite a bit from Norway to Canada to south of France, now you're in Bali. And what advice you have for those that are probably living a nomadic life or moving as often as you did to build a network around themselves? And let's add a bit more to the challenge, especially if they are introverts, because I know that you're also an introvert. Yes. And uh, yeah, how do you manage to build networks uh, around yourself? Mm, yeah, that's a good question. How did I do that? <laughs> because I am, even though like, you know, now I speak in front of people and I can be on stages and, and do all of these things, but I am very much an introvert. Like if I go to an event, like oftentimes you'll see me in the back of the room. Like I'm not the one that goes front and center most of the time. But to build a community, I think like I've been out there and necessarily always like actively searching it. It's more like allowing as anything, like step by step that by just being yourself and being like your true radiant self, you will attract the energies that you need in your life. I'm a firm believer in this. I believe in there's a divine guidance that oftentimes drives us. And it's, it's, you, you build the community by really honoring yourself in the process. So it's like, don't feel like you have to force being a certain way because then you're going to be uncomfortable and that energy is going to affect the energy that is external to you. You know, or it's kind of like animals. Animals can sense things, sense energies. They can sense fear. They can sense attraction. And we are no different. 
we do the same. We attract people and we can also sense fear in each other or uncertainties in each other. And if you feel uncertain in a situation, you know, unconsciously, we will pick up on that as well. So make sure that first and foremost, that you are comfortable in the place that you are and dare to be yourself. And then I, and you know, the people that you need will come organically. And I think just be patient as well. But then also like have the, have the strength to challenge yourself by going into environments. And as you and I spoke about before we started this recording as well, I hosted an event called Power of the Women. And seeing that at this, this event where there was many women who came who didn't know anybody and said that, you know, they, they felt like they had been hermits for a long time and they were introverts, but they challenged themselves to come to this event. And again, it was like, they trusted their intuition. That is like, a, you know, they had a feeling that this is going to be something that's good for me. So I'm going to challenge myself to, to go there. And when they did, not only did they challenge themselves to just attend, they even felt like this is actually a safe environment and I can actually go up and speak in front of these people and share something about myself. And in those brief two moments that they had to just introduce themselves in front of a group of strangers and talk about what they were doing for work, it gave them a boost of energy. And this is like, you know, as, as we as people as well, as kind of, I'm going to go back to the nature again and use this as an example. If anybody is familiar with permaculture, it's all about plants, like having plants that grow organically next to each other of different species, but the roots actually give nutrients to each other. So under the soil, the parts that we cannot see are still connected. So imagine you and me, like now we're sitting in two different locations, but our energies are still connected in some kind of way, the roots and the connections that we cannot see. Now we feed each other energy. Like I'm already like, I mean, having this conversation and sitting here talking to you now, this is giving me a form of energy. So, so we also have to have that awareness that it's, and you know, goes back to everything else that we've talked about as well in terms of those right environments and everything. That what is it that gives you energy? Who is it that gives you energy? And what kind of energy is it giving you? And be sensitive enough and be aware enough about that, but also dare to challenge yourself in the process by stepping into those new environments so you can continue to plant your seeds, you know, plant your brand so that your branches is going to grow. And your network is going to grow. And then in the process, you grow and your business will grow. Love this advice. Thank you so much for sharing. And yeah, I definitely can relate as an introvert myself as well. It's basically the way I managed to grow my network. And I truly feel when I connect at an energy level with someone, because it's giving you that boost, it's giving you that different state you're in. It's not, I don't know, draining you because you're sometimes arrive in an environment in which you 
cannot wait to exit their room or to exit that event because you simply feel drained by the energy of others. And applying in a meaningful way, like you mentioned, is powerful. And speaking of the events that you're hosting and all the work that you're doing, can you please share with us where those listening can connect with you and work with you or support you in your efforts? Well, the easiest ways to to connect with me is just through my own personal Instagram account at Leeson, Y-D-S-E, L-I-S-E-N, Y-D-S-E underscore somatic concept and just send me a dm and i will share information about that because there's quite a few different things that that we're working on and happening power of the women is one of the first initiatives right now that we're launching out i'm in the process as i mentioned we just hosted the power of the women event here in bali which is a different kind of networking event for business business leaders female business owners and entrepreneurs where we're mixing business with the healing arts and creative arts. So at this networking event, it was a luncheon where everybody got to connect and talk. And then we had some motivational and inspirational speakers speaking about their entrepreneurial journey, spoken word poetry, and we ended the whole thing with also music and started it with sound healing. So really combining all of these forces by creating that environment where we can kind of drop the shoulders a bit and just be ourselves and feel free and dare to speak and share our minds. Also then in the process now to do a pop-up event in Oslo when I go back, as well as a pop-up event in Vancouver. So I'm stepping back into my old territories, but again, using my old network of people to also expand the work that I'm doing. So seeing how everything is coming back full circle. Yeah, that's amazing. And congratulations for that, because I assume it's not easy to maintain those networks for such a long time and in the same time to expand the work that you're doing in another countries. And I'll share also the link into the show notes for those listening. And to wrap up is your time to create a challenge, a short one, 24 hour challenge for our listeners. They can apply in a span of a day that will allow them to build the foundation of their network. Let's say they don't have any important community around them, any important people that they are connected with. What they can do in a single day to build that foundation? Mm, That's a good challenge. Well, you mentioned like, you know, you said to me that it's like, oh, that's good that you managed to maintain those relationships. I have to add that... There's not all of these relationships that I have maintained over the years. It's been 20 years since I moved to Vancouver and it's been, and I moved away in 2008. So I haven't lived there in a long time. And a lot of the people that I'm now connecting to are people that it's been 15 years since I last spoke to them. So the challenge I would say is to take a moment to sit down and write a list of names, tracing yourself all the way back. So let's, you know, go back to that design thinking principles in your immersion stage. Just download through your experiences, who is it that you have met and encountered in your life, whether it is personally or in work, that you feel now could be 
potentially a good person to network with for the stage that you're in and do it so unfiltered and see what names comes up and, you know, take a moment to look into where they're at and what they're doing. Look into their LinkedIn profile or their Facebook and, and connect with them. Like actually dare to reach out, you know, out of all those names, at least pick three names on that list. And I challenge them to reach out to those three people and give a short introduction of yourself, where you're at, what you're planning. And I've had even moments where I reach out to people and I say, I don't even know why I'm reaching out to you right now. I don't have an agenda, but do you have a moment to jump on a call with me? Because there's something in me that feels like I should be talking to you and then just see where it leads you to. So that would be my challenge. Thank you so much for sharing that and everything that you shared during this episode. That challenge is, I guess, the perfect start to build that network and is building those relationships. It was wonderful to have you. It was great to be here. Thank you so much and for giving me the space to share all of this. I hope that my experiences and insight can also maybe help some of the listeners on their journey. And I'll be happy to provide advice for anybody that if they reach out to me as well. So feel free to put my name on that list of people that, that you can connect to. That's awesome. Thank you so much for that. And definitely, I truly believe that what you share is not only inspiring, but in the same time, actionable. And drawing back to the design thinking process, it's something that everyone should apply in every aspect of their life. It's personally my favorite takeaway from the episode and I can't wait to hear our listeners' opinions and feedback. And yeah, please reach out to listen. Please reach out to me if you have any questions. We are here for you. Thanks for listening, everybody. Make sure to check the show notes where you'll find direct links to the tools and resources mentioned in this episode and much more. If you enjoyed this podcast, make sure to subscribe to your favorite podcast station to not miss when we drop the next one. We have lots of exciting guests and surprises for you coming up. This is your host, Gabe Marushka with the Nomad Solopreneur Show. Until next week, Pura Vida!